And welcome to it, the Pure Opelka podcast for this Friday, January 5th, 2024. Michael Pelka with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us. I encourage you, if you want to see the stories that catch my attention, you need to visit PureOpelka.com every day, Monday through Friday. I don't update it on the weekends. And you'll see the stories that I'm watching, as well as my take on this day in history, because I like to look back on history and see what happened on this day back in the day. For example, it was January 5th, 1889, that the word hamburger first appeared in print in a newspaper in Walla Walla, Washington. So that's how long we've been calling that meat patty a hamburger. In 1914, Henry Ford introduced a $5 a day minimum wage, $5 a day. In 1920, the New York Yankees announced they were purchasing Babe Ruth's contract from the Boston Red Sox, which started that curse that uh, hit Boston for so many years. (laughs) Right. Uh, In 1933, the Golden Gate Bridge was born. They started building the bridge. On that day, it took him a few years to finish it up. 1952, Winston Churchill, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, came to Washington to meet with President Harry Truman. In 61, Mr. Ed debuted on television. A horse is a horse, of course, unless he's a talking horse. What a great show. In uh, 1980, Rapper's Delight from Sugar Hill Gang was a hit. I think that was one of the earliest in the hip-hop era. And the funny thing is, Brett Baer over at Fox News knows every word to the song. If you go to YouTube and put in Brett Baer, Rapper's Delight, you can see him singing it. (laughs) Yes, singing it at a Fox News Christmas party. It's kind of amazing. Well, today's the day Joe Biden's going to kick off his doom and gloom presidential campaign, trying to divide us even further as he travels not too far from me going up to Valley Forge to start this off, and then he'll deliver yet another divisive speech in South Carolina. It's all about dividing us. It's the divide and conquer theory. I will cover the speech today in tomorrow's radio show, 7 to 10 p.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT out of Philadelphia. You can listen via the Odyssey app. It's real easy. Just get the app, and you can listen, and it's free, and it's a good thing. So we'll cover all of that and all of the shenanigans that are happening politically today. Uh, But I want to get some time with our friend Dr. Michael Royson from the Cleveland Clinic. We finally got him. He's been on a golf trip out west. I'm glad he's here. Dr. Royson, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you. As you know, I traded places with you. I got on a golf course while you had to do the work. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And your game, how would you rate your game? Um, until today, my game has been excellent with one initial problem. That is, I had to use one more club on every shot than I had to last year. But that's resolved now, um, meaning I, I, I got weaker. Well, that's okay. So I can say uh, I'm okay on that. Good. Good, good, good. Well, I'm very worried about you and the people 
from the Cleveland area. I, I know many people have some dear friends from the Cleveland area, and I'm really worried about the, the fever that's ripping through Cleveland. Uh, is is Flacco fever really a danger to the population? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he, we used to hate him. <laughs> as he yeah. beat us every every year, twice a year at least when he was playing for the Ravens. Now we love him. Um, and uh, the interesting thing is, um, if we do half decently going into the playoffs, who's going to be our starting quarterback next year? The guy we pay uh, $70 million a year for or this guy who we're paying $2.5 million this year for? The guy you pulled off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, uh, that's a great problem to have, Dr. Royce, and I hope, I hope the uh, dilemma goes deep into the playoffs for you guys. Uh, let's talk about health and the research, and before we get into the research you sent me, I have to ask you about this story I read about a possible really successful treatment for cancer that is akin to using little teeny tiny molecular jackhammers on cancer cells. What do you know? Well, what it is, and and I'll I'll simplify it. So you give a specific molecule that attaches to something on the cancer cell. So the first thing you do is you give something that is affected by um, infrared light but it ties to a specific cancer cell. So you've got to get this into only cancer cells. Mm -hmm. You then shine the infrared light or you have infrared wavelength. So it works very well for skin cancers. And by vibrating, disrupts the cells where you've got this, this particle that reacts to the infrared light. And it is like a jackhammer that it, when it's activated by infrared light. So the two components, it's got to have a, a ta- attachment to the cancer cell wall. And then you've got to be able to shine the infrared light on it. Um, and that kills the cancer cells. Wow. So that's the theory of it. A version of this has been around for a long time with other light-activated compounds, um, but none has been really totally successful. So that's why we're still with other therapies such as immunotherapy and chemotherapy for cancer still. Huge progress. Go ahead. I want to send as much power and prayer and blessings to everybody who's working to to end cancer in our lifetimes. It's just so devastating to the families who, and obviously the individuals who are fighting it. So I'm glad you're keeping us updated on that. All right, let's talk about some of the stuff that you sent me. There's so much of it here, very interesting. Well, first I want to talk about the one I specially sent you. Okay, which one? This is the Byers Award winner from UC San Francisco, University of California, San Francisco. And I'll I'll come back to why this is so special. But what they found was that when you exercise, we know you turn on certain genes. That is, you are a genetic engineer. And by exercise, we've said you turn on this in muscle, the gene that makes a risen, which goes to the blood, goes to your brain, and it itself turns on brain-derived neurotrophic growth factor. 
and uh, ma which makes your memory center bigger and helps you um, never lose your memory. Well, there are two other compounds now that have been found to be turned on, genes that have been found to be turned on by exercise. And these look like they reduce aging in a whole mess of your body. Hmm. Now, it is as though you got a young blood transfusion. So is there something in young blood? Well, there is if the young blood exercises. Is there something in old blood that's good for you? And there is if you exercise. But since many older people are relatively sedentary, and the animal model that, that I actually studied 50 years ago, I was a medical student and I was just a technician in the research lab of the convoys who hooked up a young rat and an old rat. And the old rat got younger, the young rat got older. And so it was thought there was something in the young rat's plasma. And it was, it's been looked at for 50 years. Wow. And what they found is it was the proteins in the old rat are actually a problem, that is. But when you exercise, you secrete something, you turn on a gene from your liver that gets rid of those old proteins. So it really was that the old rat wasn't doing much exercise. They don't, they're sedentary. The young rat was. Well, it turns out this is not only turned on in rats and other animals, but in humans as well. And so when you exercise, you turn on more than one gene, apparently, and one of the genes you turn on helps you get rid of old proteins that gum up um, the process of keeping your brain young. So not only do you increase your brain size and memory capacity, but you decrease those things that gum it up. So how often do you need to exercise to turn on these proteins? Well, wouldn't it be nice if you just could take it as a drug? Well, it would, but, you know, I think we want to push exercise, don't we? <laughs> That's exactly right. But, in fact, this group at UC San Francisco is studying, is now turning uh, this into a drug, but obviously you secrete more than one thing want more than one compound you turn on more than one compound when you exercise so the great news is exactly that exercise is wonderful no matter how old or young you are and maybe we'll find a raft of proteins in young exercisers that we can give to people who are sedentary make their brains younger and get them exercising again yeah, I hope so. This is exciting. And, and exercise can be free, people. If you just go out and you walk or you do a little jog or you do the push-ups in your house, exercise is a lot better, in my opinion, Dr. Royce, you'll back me up on this, than just saying, I'll take a pill that'll fix it. Absolutely. Well, good. That's really exciting. All right, Doc, I, I guess that since it's the new year, should we talk about those common resolutions and how people are supposed to keep them? Actually, let me, let me ask you this question. What percent of people do you think don't keep resolutions by February 
23rd. Oh, it's got to be close to 75, 80%. It's it's actually about uh, 70% don't wow. keep them. Wow. In fact, 70% don't keep them past January 15th, <laughs> um, <laughs> it turns out. But the eight most common resolutions, eating breakfast every morning, giving up soda, including a vegetable in every meal, curbing sweet tooth once and for all, turning to healthier snacks, scaling back on ultra-processed foods. Um, so those are the six of the eight most common. And the uh, uh, the other two, work out more and lose weight. Well, it, it's interesting that they all kind of rely on each other or they work together. If you adjust your diet, if you get rid of the processed sugars, if you get rid of the sodas and you, you try and focus on putting that leafy green vegetables from the mind diet, as you talked about in the past, into your diet, all of this works into losing weight and being healthier in the new year. So uh, if if we could just stay on the plan and not give up by January 15th or February 15th, then things will kind of take care of themselves. That's exactly right. And, and the, the most important thing to do. Yes. Is the buddy oh. wants to do it with you. Yeah, the buddy thing is and, really important. It's it's so key. It's you know the posse thing too, but especially on this, you're not going to get your whole posse to do all this together, but one buddy can make the difference. Absolutely. All right, Doc, you got to answer one more. I got time for one more here. Number 4, most adults who are prescribed obesity drugs discontinue use at 3 months. Doesn't that add in the risk of them gaining the weight back? Absolutely. So this was a study done um, when uh, Ozempic and Wegovy and Manjaro were just being started out. It was a 2,000-person study, and 80% quit um, all the other medicines within three months. 50% quit um, the uh, Wegovia and uh, Manjaro. Um, Manjaro at uh, six months. So hmm. Manjaro and Ozempic and Wagova had longer persistence rates, but they still didn't uh, keep being persistent. Um, by the way, at one year, Ozempic, 40% kept on it. Wow. Wow. It's an interesting story to follow. I'm going to be curious to see in the long-lasting weight loss effects and if there are any other long-term problems and we'll talk about that going forward i encourage you visit longevity playbook and follow dr roizen on twitter he's great on twitter x and uh always uh, a joy to spend time with you my friend well safe travels and maybe you'll get that hole in one and you'll explain it to me next time we talk thank you thank you and there he goes. And here I go. I'll be back live on radio Saturday night, talk radio 1210 WPHT. So you need to join us. And yeah, the phones are open too. We have a lot of fun on Saturday nights. It's uh, on the Odyssey app. So get the Odyssey app and tune into the show. You can even listen afterwards, but it's more fun live, especially because Lauren Fix is going to join us and talk about the Car of the Year Awards. She's got some more news on the Chinese building car plants in uh, Mexico to try and ruin our economy and our auto industry. And 
There's a guy who's been eating cheesesteaks like every day. I had him on a few years ago. I think he's had over 1,100 cheesesteaks in the last four or five years. And we're going to talk about the best cheesesteaks in the Philadelphia area. Yeah, you need to be here because we're talking about the important stuff like cheesesteaks. Till next time, thanks for listening. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.